You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Tuesday show for you. We got to talk about what the hell is going on with this Baltimore Orioles announcer that, come to find out yesterday, has been suspended for two weeks for literally doing his job. This is one of the weirdest stories going right now, and I, I have a feeling we don't know the full story just yet, but I'll go over what we know. A little more college football realignment. Stanford and Cal might have a home in the ACC or the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. By the way, the ACC's farthest west team is Louisville, and the AAC's farthest west team is University of Texas San Antonio. And maybe talk a little more soccer, um, some statistics that I didn't know about in regards to Alex Morgan, which I thought were interesting, and maybe talk a little sports debate TV, one of my favorite topics. Sarcasm there. Anyway, we'll get to that momentarily. All right, let's start off with the Baltimore Orioles and what the hell happened. So what we know is back on July 23rd, Kevin Brown, who is the play-by-play guy for the Baltimore Orioles. He was broadcasting a game, Orioles at Tampa Bay Rays, July 23rd. He has not broadcast a game since, and it was reported yesterday that the reason was was because, because he gave out statistics of how poorly the Orioles have played in Tampa. No, that wasn't an opinion. He just laid out the facts in the pregame show that the Orioles were 0-15-1 in the last 16 series they have played against the Tampa Bay Rays. That's just facts. That wasn't saying, man, our team stinks. Man, we suck. By the way, in case you didn't know, the Orioles have the second-best record in all of baseball. So it's not like the team's been in the dumps all year and the announcers are ragging on them. And look, the team writes their paychecks, so if the announcers rag on the team... Sometimes the team gets upset and will suspend a guy here and there. Orioles announcer Kevin Brown did absolutely nothing wrong. He laid out facts, and it's not like he harped on them. He just said, hey, pregame show, he's going over, tough place to play. We don't play well here. I mean, any announcer would do that, previewing a series, previewing a game. How does your team do against this team in this location? And it just so happened that the Orioles had lost. They were 0-15-1 in their last 16 series against the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe, in Tampa. Or maybe it's overall. Either way, it doesn't matter. The point being, he hasn't broadcasted a game since he said that. Now, the Orioles are saying, we don't comment on personnel matters. We look forward to hearing Kevin's voice soon. I would hope so. (laughs) He didn't do anything wrong. And then last night, because it's weird because... It's now August 8th. It's weird that it's been two weeks and this finally getting picked up as to why this guy has been off the air. So maybe there is more to it and maybe that's why the Orioles aren't saying anything, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like he was suspended because of this, which he did nothing wrong. He did not go off script and offer an opinion on the team that wasn't very positive. No. He just laid out the facts. So yesterday on social media, a bunch of Major League broadcasters 
were defending Kevin Brown. Jason Benetti, who's the play-by-play guy for the Chicago White Sox. Michael Kay, who's the play-by-play guy for the New York Yankees. Um, Kevin Connors, who works at ESPN. Kevin Nagandi, who works at ESPN. Howie Rose, don't know where he works. Uh, Michael Kay, you know, went off. Tom McCarthy, broadcasts for the Phillies. Gary Cohen of the Mets. He said, let me just say one thing to Baltimore Orioles management. You draped yourself in humiliation when you fired John Miller, and you're doing it again. And if you don't want Kevin Brown, there are 29 other teams who do. I mean, the fact that other broadcasters in Major League Baseball are calling out the Baltimore Orioles for what they did shows you how pathetic this was. This is Bush League. And like I said, the thing that's crazy is the Orioles are good this year. They're going to make the playoffs, barring a complete collapse over the last seven weeks of the season. They have, right now, the second-best record in baseball. (laughs) They have 70 wins. The only other team with 70 wins is the Braves. They just have three more losses than the Braves. (laughs) So they're the best team in the American League, second-best record in all of baseball, and their front office is got their panties in a bunch over this? I, I this, this story, I hope there's more to it. I'm almost praying that there's more to it. Or else the Orioles are one of the most incompetent organizations that you've ever come across. This makes absolutely zero sense. There has to be more to this story. He had to have done something that hasn't been reported yet. But as of right now, all we know is Kevin Brown is on a current indefinite suspension from Orioles broadcasts since July 23rd because during the pregame show, he said they are 0-15-1 in their last 16 series against Tampa. That was it. <laughs> it just, like Kevin Connors from ESPN tweeted out, he said all these people supported him. Kevin Brown is the one of the best, most prepared, most versatile broadcasters in the industry. He did nothing wrong here, nothing capitalized. Zero. The Orioles have been one of the best stories in sports all year, but this is a horrendous look that needs to be fixed immediately. Now, here's the thing. He might come back because the Orioles are now taking it on social media and taking it from every single angle. Nobody's in agreement of what they did here. So I wouldn't be surprised if this guy's back on the air tonight. But the bottom line is he's been out for two weeks of because of this. And the only reason they're in reinstating him back if they do it tonight would be because of the backlash they're getting. I want to hear what they have to say about exactly what he did wrong. If there's more to it, you got to inform the people because everyone here is just sitting here going, this makes absolutely zero sense. So I've heard him. I have the Major League Baseball Extra Innings Package for DirecTV. I've heard Orioles games. I think he's really good. I didn't even notice in the last two weeks. I can't I mean I can't really remember how many times I've turned on an Orioles game in the last two weeks, but I do know his name. I do know Kevin Brown and not know him personally, but I'm saying know of him, heard his broadcasts. Ah, This is so bizarre. So bizarre. Moving on to college football, which we've been talking about a lot recently. As you know, there's only four teams left in the Pac-12, and that is Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. Reports are yesterday that the ACC is possibly interested in Cal and Stanford coming to their conference. As I said in the open, the farthest team west in the ACC is Louisville. 
And the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, is also interested in Cal and Stanford and would also be interested, apparently, in taking any one of the four teams that are remaining, if not all four teams that are remaining of the Pac-12. But their furthest West team is University of Texas San Antonio. So it's clear that whatever conference these four teams go to outside of the Mountain West, they're going to have to travel a lot, a lot of miles. But no different than what Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA have to do heading to Northwestern and Evanston, Illinois, or going to College Park, Maryland, or going to College, um, Happy Valley in Pennsylvania, or Piscataway for Rutgers, you know? It's just, but as I talked about yesterday, remember football is just once a week and they charter these teams. So it's not like they don't have the money to do this. It's not really setting them back all that much. Yes, it's going to be a little bit, um, you know, going to the East Coast, you're losing three hours and, you know, you fly back Sunday, you'll basically be traveling all day Sunday if you're flying back from Rutgers and Piscataway to, uh, so you'd fly out of what, Teterboro to go to back to L.A. or back to Oregon, back to Washington, whatever the case may be. You're going to be flying all day Sunday after the game on Saturday. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. But it, what if it's a what if it's an 11 a.m. kickoff Eastern time? You could possibly leave that night because you're gaining three hours going east to west and you're back in your bed Saturday night. Fly out Friday morning. You get there Friday night. Yeah. So I don't know how they're going to do it. We still don't know the logistics of it, but I really don't think that, you know, it's affecting football all that much because football plays once a week. It's going to affect those other sports in every program that have games on Wednesdays and Thursdays, because now you're talking about that same travel I just talked about. LAX to to Teterboro, LAX to Pennsylvania, LAX to Evanston, Illinois, LAX to you know Minnesota. You have that, and then you have to come back with oh by the way you're playing on you're doing that on a on a Wednesday. You know if you have a Wednesday game in tennis or water polo or whatever lacrosse, UCLA Rutgers Wednesday game in lacrosse. I mean I don't know when lacrosse games are played. Are they played during the week or are they played on the weekend? I'm just saying there are sports that are not played just once a week and just on the weekends. So games in other sports that are played on Thursdays and Wednesdays, I mean, if you have to make that trip, you're flying out Tuesday, playing Wednesday, not getting back till probably Thursday night. I mean, it's that's what we're talking about. It's going to affect the other sports way more than it's going to affect the athletes that are playing college football. But it's still the early stages. I don't know if Cal and Stanford are going to go to the AAC, ACC or AAC. Either way, Cal and Stanford, as he talked about for the last few days, they're not football powerhouses anyway. I mean, they were getting their butts kicked in the Pac-12. In the Pac-12. They're going to go to the ACC and have to play Florida State, play Clemson, play Miami. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be bottom feeders in the ACC just like they're bottom feeders in the Pac-12. So, I mean, I'm sure they want to be in a conference. They want to be involved. But, man, these four schools, you almost feel bad for them because they're just like, does anyone want to play with us? Can we come play with you in your conference, please? 
pretty please. That's essentially what this is right now. Because, again, as I said yesterday, if you didn't listen, the other conferences, like why doesn't the Pac-12 just recruit Mountain West? Because the Mountain West has a $31 million exit fee to leave their conference. Pac-12 has zero exit fee. That's why all these teams are leaving. They don't have to pay any sort of penalty. So these Pac-12 teams are going to end up somewhere else. My guess is Washington State and Oregon State probably end up in the Mountain West. And it'll be a decent conference. It's not going to be a great conference. It's certainly not going to be better than any of the big four. But it'll be decent. It'll probably be the fifth best conference in America. Maybe on par with the MAC. We'll see. The AAC could be a lot better if it gets Oregon State and Washington State. So we got to keep that in mind. But, man, you almost feel bad for those four schools because they are without a home. And I don't know what's going to happen. Still a lot of time here, but, man, sorry, Cal, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State. I feel for you. So I'm not a soccer expert by any means. But you know me, when it comes to sports, I am big on statistics. Kind of like when we talked about the Baltimore Orioles guy at the beginning of this podcast. Kevin Brown, all he did was lay out statistics. He didn't give an opinion. He just said, here's the stats. We have not been good playing against the Tampa Bay Rays. 0-15-1, last 16 series. Well, stats are now floating out there. I mean, they've always been out there, but because the U.S. women's soccer team had their earliest exit in World Cup history as a two-time defending World Cup champion, statistics are starting to fly around out there about Alex Morgan, who, once Mia Hamm retired, she was going to be the next savior of women's soccer. And she's won a ton of awards, tons of accolades. I mean, if you really want me to run everything down, I mean, we'll just go over this really quick. She was the U.S. Soccer Female Athlete of the Year in 2012 and 2018. She's also a four-time CONCAF Player of the Year in 2013, 2016, 2017, 2018. She's a FIFA FIFA Pro World Women's 11 selection in 2016, 17, 19, 21, and 22, and also a three-time finalist for the FIFA World Player of the Year in 2012, 2019, and 2022. However, if we're just sticking to World Cup play, Unfortunately, Alex Morgan, who's supposed to be our best offensive player, our quote-unquote striker, the one who's supposed to score the most goals, has not been very productive in the World Cup. Now, they've won the last two World Cups. You could say, who cares about her statistics? Very true. But if you're looking at her statistics for her career, Alex Morgan, in 22 games, has nine goals. 22 career World Cup games has nine goals, which is pretty good. However, if I told you five of those goals came in one game against Thailand in 2019, last World Cup that we had, in a 13-0 win, not saying you say that they shouldn't count, but come on. When you win 13-0 in soccer, that just shows the other team had no business being on the field. And I probably could have scored five goals that game. Or, you know, I shouldn't say me. Okay, that's a little arrogant an average soccer player, somebody that was probably a junior in college that was one of the better players on her team could have probably played and scored five goals in that game. When you beat a team 13-0, I mean, come on. So if you take away the five goals that Alex Morgan scored in 2019, she's only had four World Cup goals. 
She had two in 2011. She had one in 2015. She had one other one in 2019. And then she had none in the four games this year. So if you go back and over her last 17 World Cup games, she had two goals. Two. So no, that's not a lot. But is she the reason the team lost? No. I mean, she's part of the reason. As we talked about yesterday, they had four goals in four games. You can't win in soccer if you don't put the ball in the net. And Alex Morgan, as great as she has been, for whatever reason, on the World Cup stage, two goals in the last 17 games, well, those statistics aren't great, but in those 17 games, she also won two World Cup titles. U.S. did. They won in 2015 and 2019. Those were part of those those 17 games. So while she didn't score, the team won. So I'm not... I'm not really sure exactly where the argument comes in. No, she didn't score any goals in four games this year. <clears throat> the only team only scored four in four games. Not many people scored goals in this year's World Cup for the U.S. women's team. So it's a lot of undue criticism. As I said, it's, you know, the sport of soccer has such a small margin for error. And, yeah, losing when you're the number one seed and the two-time champion, I'm not going to say it wasn't a big deal, but in the history of men's and women's World Cup soccer, nobody's ever won three times in a row. So it would have been a first in the history of World Cup play for our women to win it again this year. And anybody that knows about this team, it's almost like this team was kind of like the Golden State Warriors. You had the old guard, Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino. And then you have these new younger players that would they have like, I want to say this year's team had like nine players who had never played a World Cup game before. It's like a changing of the guard. I guarantee in 2027, we're going to be pretty dominant. I'd be shocked if we didn't win the World Cup in 2027 because our girls are young and now they're hungry because they're coming off their worst performance in the history of women's World Cup play. So for the U.S. team. So. I'm not too worried, but those are the statistics for Alex Morgan. Two goals in her last 17 World Cup games. And finally, you know my thoughts on debate TV, especially when it comes to sports debate TV and blowhards like Skip Bayless that I just drive me up a freaking wall. Well, reportedly, Richard Sherman is going to join Undisputed, the show on Fox the debate show on Fox that Skip has been with for a while now after he left ESPN's first take with Stephen A. Smith. Looks like Richard Sherman is going to be his number one adversary, not the full-time guy like Shannon Sharp was. It looks like they're kind of going to kind of do with Skip like they're doing with Stephen A. Smith on first take where it's kind of rotating people to debate him. And they said that Richard Sherman's going to get about 50 to 100 shows a year, mostly during football season. Look, I've seen these shows before, and they drive me up an absolute wall. I can't stand manufactured television. I can't stand anything that's manufactured like that. It's like, okay, every single topic you guys have to disagree on? No, they're just taking a side to present an argument so they can just give us debate TV, and it's just so stupid. Skip has an agenda for a lot of the things that he says. 
The guy's been on LeBron James for years now. He just sounds so ignorant and so stupid when he's constantly, constantly trying to take the other side on any sort of LeBron James argument that makes LeBron look bad. It's just embarrassing at this point. Yet, Fox is paying him, I think, $7 million a year, $8 million a year to do this. It's a joke. It's absolutely, it's absolutely a joke. But just broke yesterday. Skip's new partner on Undisputed after Shannon Sharp left him. And I do believe Shannon Sharp didn't want to work with him anymore. That's why he left. The fact that Skip is going to now debate Richard Sherman, I hope Richard Sherman does his homework and puts Skip in his place every fucking show because he's an embarrassment to television journalism. Period. End of story. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please subscribe or please follow me in Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review as well. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. We're getting closer to football season. We a lot of football talk in the next few weeks. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>